What's up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to an episode here of the podcast version of Palangi Studio of Rock, only on Radio Wigwam. If you want to hear the live versions, make sure you tune in every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 UK. I'd like to welcome Mr. Rock guitarist here, Ryan Cook from Ace Freely Band and Gene Simmons. Let's have a chat with him. Today we have Ryan Cook in the building. No relation to David Cook, I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he is, what's going on, man? Man, I'm just here in Nashville getting ready to leave with Ace day after tomorrow. And I'm so happy to be talking to you. And we just have to tell everybody what happened. I was 20 minutes late. I got the Eastern time and Central time mixed up. So that is the, the traditional rocker formula. <laughs> <laughs> we all know it well. Yeah, hey, you know, you it's might nice know him. You. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It's just nice to see you. Nice to see you again. Now, we first met here in Hudson Falls, New York. We I interviewed uh, David Nestor, who's been on the program. And then yeah. uh, we got to be um, friends and, and we got to go backstage. I met all you guys and yeah. I've interviewed your whole band. Well, except for Matt. And now I've now right. I got you. Great. <laughs> so I love the three of us were supposed to be together, Derek and, and Jeremy and, and you and I, that would have been cool. It would have been great. And, uh, you know, cause you've been so patient and nice and everything. Cause we tried to schedule this a couple weeks ago and then I had to leave town a couple times. So, cause it, that's how it was originally was going to be the three of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I figured but, it'd be, it'd be interesting. I've never had three guests. I've had two here and there, but have you ever, uh, have you ever heard cats, the band or the movie? No, I said, have you ever heard it? And to herd cats. Oh no! It would be like with three people. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> like three. Uh, three. We were talking about teaching guitar lessons. You know what I mean? It'd be like uh, three. Three right. young students in the building. Even worse. I know you guys together backstage and stuff. You you have a, you know, a certain way of communicating. Let's let's call it. You know what I mean? And and when you're on stage and stuff like that, let me tell you right now, you guys are uh, the four of you are very very solid together. Oh, thank you, man. And um, when uh, Derek and stuff told me that you guys don't um, necessarily rehearse with, with Ace, be like be right before a gig or something like right. that, I was like, man, right. that's like, how do you, how, how do you do that? Well, I'll tell you what, um, that just goes being said. The one thing that I, that I pride myself on and I can, I know I can speak for the guys is just always do your homework. Always yeah. do your homework where you get there. Cause you have to, most situations you walk into, uh, a lot of them don't have rehearsals. Like usually if you've never played with someone before, you'll get together and do a rehearsal. But then yeah. after that, it's up to you to know what you need to know by the time you get there. And sound check is usually when you run, run through stuff. Um, Derek, we have to give a special shout out to though, because Derek is not in the band. Okay. Derek was in Ace's band over a decade ago. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay situations where we had to get a sub for for philip or zach and ace reached out to derek so eric i mean derek really came in not rehearsing with us at all man we, and we and would play really bass whole, yeah playing bass so we would go over the whole set of sound check with him and you know to his credit he was a trooper and did his homework he knew everything and he's a, he's a nice guy too you know we really enjoy playing with him he lives like, I think th he said three and a half hours from me or something like that. He's like, if you're ever yeah. in my area, let me know. Yeah. And that was part of, honestly, uh, aside from his awesome skill set, 
that was what also played into him subbing for those few shows. It was all proximity. Uh, yeah. It was kind of a lot change. And Ace was like, man, I bet Derek could do this. And he's close by. And he's got sure that enough, chemistry going on already. And, yeah. you know, it's not like somebody totally new. And because I'd be like, if, if I stepped in, especially bass guitar, I mean, I love guitar, but you're like, you know, oh, I've never played with Ace before. And you know what I mean? Yep. You can, you can get that band chemistry, but yeah. Yeah. And part of the thing also with bass is, you know, you're a guitar player and also a guitar player and an instructor and stuff. You have to admit, though, that, you know, if you can play a song guitar, you can translate it to bass. But it's a different animal. Some people think mm. it's, oh, it's just there's another guitar with four strings, which it is. But you have to approach the songs differently with bass. And yeah. you're all, all of a sudden you're jumping into a new onstage relationship with the drummer. Exactly. Yeah, because some of the hits don't align with the guitars. You know, some styles are different between bands. Exactly. You know. And yeah. So I know, anyway, Derek was just great and uh, good dude. And we we're. I was talking to uh, Jeremy, and the funniest, yeah. funniest thing he said out of that whole interview was he records kitchen guitar. <laughs> he records in his kitchen on a table. <laughs> I was Isn't like, that crazy. What he goes? Oh, I did that for the Ace record there too. And yeah, I was man. just like, isn't that crazy how you can do that? I mean, it's the way technology is now. Yeah, the way he really does, though. He had his Kemper. Yep. Uh, and we have Logic, which is a program like Pro Tools installed on our laptops and whatnot. Yeah. And he, we had a little, um, this unit called the Personas that is an interface that acts between your computer and your Kemper, and you go right in and record just like that. Modern day go. technology. <laughs> well, it enables you to to be like, you don't always have to fly out to those big studios. They can take the dry signal, all you guitar and, and tech yep. guys out there, and reamp the signal through that gear. So all the yep. amps that you guys may have brought to the session, you'd be like, yep. we'll just reamp it. You can reamp it. If you just, all you do is create, you send what's called a direct signal, and bam, you're in. Yep. That's what I it's like great. to talk about a little bit in my show, too, is getting into gear and a little yep. bit more of like the recording side, because... I feel sure. like a lot of people on programs and stuff, they focus on the, kind of like what artists are doing. And, and I mean, we talk a lot about backgrounds and stuff too, but it's that gear stuff that I noticed you did an interview. We had a guy come over to your place and you talked about your guitars that you had. Marty Schwartz. Yes. And he does a lot of cover videos where he he's playing Man. all these songs. And Marty, uh, you know, just God, that was probably four years ago, at least when I did that with Marty, when he was here okay. and his program ready, big and well-known it is done so well. And it's grown exponentially. He is now officially on board with the Gibson Epiphone team wow. in the sense that um, it's not their show, so to say, but he, they have him in to do so many videos and talk with so many artists. And Marty is the nicest guy. It's Marty Schwartz. If anybody wants to look him up, he's got his own YouTube channel and Instagram and just really and, you know, anybody that's a music fan will go on there, and I guarantee they're going to recognize one of their favorite players talking to Marty on his show. Yeah, because I, I actually didn't know he interviewed people, because every time yeah. I type in, like, how do you play, like, Welcome to the Jungle, like, his yeah. video will come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay. Well, I noticed that we're we're uh, Pig Hog uh, brothers here. We're both yes. a part of Pig Hog Cables. How did you yep. find them? Skid Row. Okay. Skid Row. So there's a, a really sweet girl, uh, lady who's a rep at Pig Hog named Michelle Devis. Do you know Michelle? Yes, I do. Yep. She calls me every once in a while. Great. So 
I was introduced to Michelle. We've never met in person. I was introduced to Michelle via Skid Row. Uh, those guys are some of my dearest and best friends. And Rachel is right down the street. He's just not far wow. from here in Brentwood. So I see him every day. I'm actually taking care of his cat. So he's out of town right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, uh-huh. they introduced me. Uh, and she just was super accommodating and awesome right from the get-go. And, you know, man, their cables are great. Uh, the Reunion Blues gig bags and stuff are really great. She sent me some stands, uh, guitar stands, you know, that are awesome, and yeah. patch cables, and just the whole deal. The Little Pigs. Great. Yeah, man. Great company. And uh, she just seems great. She... um. I forgot actually. I think I reached out to them, but they were it was around the time when the COVID hit with the NAM too. And I was in one of the NAM videos, the first time I was ever like a part of NAM. Oh, right on. And I was just like, um, you know, you want me to review you like your bags and all that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, I've used I've converted almost I say 90% of my cables to pig hog. And not one of them has died yet. And it's yeah. it's been, you know, a couple of years. Great. You know what? Uh, I will concur with you a million percent. All the cables I use are pig hog. Everything. Everything. And they've been really cool about, you know, keeping me up to speed on their newest stuff and whatever. The only thing that cable that I use that isn't a pig hog cable, uh, and I would use if they made it, was the, the 90 degree angle cable that goes from my wireless pack to my guitar. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just because obviously that's you know it's it's a sure product. Uh, okay. But if they made it, if they decided to make a five pin cable like that, I would get it in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's it uh because I used monster cables for a while. I had a couple of them, and I go, these are just as good or even better. Absolutely, we're on the same page. Yeah. So and you wh- know what they are. I will tell you this: they're more affordable than monster. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they're always on sale too. Like some some type of cables always on sale. So if you guys wait, I mean, it's not a totally. We are both endorsed by. It's not a huge plug, but they do support a, a lot of stuff I do. So I, I do like to plug them. And I was like, Ryan's a part of it. That's perfect. Yeah, and you know something? I'll tell you uh, something that they that they uh, that I got from them uh, right before we went on tour with Alice Cooper. We went out for three months with him as support. Uh, yeah. I one of their gear duffel bags have you seen those i have three of them oh you have three <laughs> yeah i love it one and uh it was it is awesome and for those who don't know it's a nice big sturdy heavy duffel bag it's compartmentalized yep with pockets uh everything for your cables to separate them pockets for all your earplugs and your picks and your polishing on your strings and the whole deal it's got I everything love i love that thing because it's better than just having in a duffel bag and just throwing all your stuff in there and having to dig through like grandma's purse. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for a lot of years, I couldn't find anything like that. And I seen that I go, that's perfect. I have uh, I use one for my camera gear. So I put like a lens in each one and stuff too. Perfect. And I'm just like, go. this is awesome. So, thanks for show. You know, <laughs> she, yeah, she's awesome. So thanks everybody. Pig. I'm actually doing a pig hog takeover on their Instagram the end of February going to talk right about some studio stuff and play a couple acoustic songs or something but oh right on um, that's fun. they're really good I, are you do you use intune guitar picks as well i'm actually with a guy named uh Carson Randolph and it's pick guy okay pick, yeah i've heard of them 
I'll show you something. It's funny as I'm sitting here where I practice. My my most I change the picks up all the time just because I'm a dummy, but my, <laughs> my current pick is I'm a big Rocky Balboa fan. There you go. So there's this. And then this. RC Cola. Yep. yep. Mine. See? So and it's pretty cool because the reason I put that on there was because on my well, one of my sick guitars, I've got the RC logo decal on my humbuckers. Ah, uh, okay. And that looks pretty good. And then the ones I had in December for our Christmas run, I did glow in the dark Snoopy picks. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, like this. But I do know Bert Licato over at Intune. Absolutely fantastic people. And uh Intune's great as well. He's a great guy too. I've I think I've known him since 2011 or something like that. Yeah. I didn't do much back then. I was just like getting my first EP done. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have you a part of this. And I was like, well, you see the, some of the artists that are involved <laughs> in the killer. Yeah. Monsters. Um, yeah. Good stuff. What's uh what's the difference between playing in Gene Simmons band and then Ace's band and knowing that, you know, they're both from kiss, but they both have yep. their own, let's say solo quirks, you know, and styles yep. that way too. Yep. How do you how do you prepare for each? The, uh, they are two totally different things. I'll start with Ace since that's the current gig right now. Yep. Uh, Ace is definitely a creature of habit. Okay. Uh, we have just since this last run for the first time uh, we've added several new songs that we haven't played before to this set that's going to be for this tour starting this week. Okay. Oh, okay. But that being said, before that, once Ace gets into a set list, we don't change it. It might change a song here or there every once in a while. Okay. But he doesn't change it. Once you get out there, you know, we're pretty much certain that we're going to be playing the same set. There's no surprises. With Gene, we never played the same set twice. We changed every night. <laughs> Everything. Every night. Oh, geez. And I think Jeremy, uh, who, you know, uh, my bandmate and Gene Ace's band, um, Jeremy has a running list of everything we play with Gene. And when he reads you the number, it's just ridiculous the amount of songs we did. So many that there's stuff right now that I have forgotten. Uh, yeah. Gene would also go way deeper. Like we would go, when we play with Gene, we would do stuff that Kiss never did. Ever. Uh, so like but, deep tracks, B-sides. What about unreleased first, stuff? Yeah, the first things that come to mind got love for sale. Okay. They, they never done that. Um, like we were doing I and Charisma. Um, see, right now I'm on the spot and I just can't think of other stuff. But well, I, uh, I do have to say what you mentioned. One of the interviews is that you guys can do the three part guitar harmonies, which are in, yeah. you know, you know, I got to tell you, uh, it's really true. And I'll give you a perfect example of that is, um, you know, we love Kiss. I mean, we be, we became friends because of Kiss, and that's not a, a joke. Yeah, okay? that's what the other guy said. He goes, it's ingrained in me. You know what yeah. I mean? Because we were little, little kids. So yeah. uh, that being said, a perfect example of a three-guitar thing is you listen to Deuce, okay? Uh, at the end of Deuce, on this, the studio recording, there's a harmony guitar thing at the end. Okay. Overdubbed over the rhythm guitar. And when you go see Kiss Live, Paul kept the rhythm and Ace would do his deal. We actually got to do it the way it was really recorded. And uh, nice. just having, it was really weird because 
so many people were asking, well, why do you need three guitars? And it's like, well, would you rather have $20 or $10? It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're talking about adding, you know, a rubber tire to the band. It's another guitar. It's cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. And there are so many bands out there that actually have done that. And Gene loved it. And it's Gene's band and he's Gene Simmons and you're not. And that's why it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he can do what he wants. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, there, is there times where you guys are playing three separate like harmony parts and then you come together playing like the, the same riff. So it sounds like super heavy. It's, you know what? It's not as middle. It's not as much three part lead parts, but there would definitely be three rhythm parts going on because that was one thing while you do, while our goal was to have one big giant guitar, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We did make a conscious effort to not always be playing the same thing. Okay. So if one guy's <laughs> playing like the low E down here going, uh, uh, the other guy would play the one at the seventh fret maybe and, and a, a high E bar chord or something. Well, the other guy might be doing an appreciated chimey pick thing in a different E position. Ah, uh, okay. I got you. Yeah. As Gene, to quote him, says, it's a goddamn guitar symphony. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> You fill it out sonically. I do know what he means. Yeah. 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 And he's got, um, I mean, you guys have a range of tones. I know, um, do you still use like the original Marshall type stuff or are you into like the fractals? And No, well, here's what we do. Let me, we all went Kemper. Okay. okay? And when I was, when I was nodding to the original Marshall stuff, the stuff that the three of us agreed upon that we like more than anything, uh, Michael Britt, there's a guy named Michael Britt. Okay. And he makes profiles for Kempers and our favorites, uh, between the three of us, hands down, Philip, Jeremy, and myself were the series of profiles he did that ranged from 60, uh, from 1968 Marshall Plexis. Okay. Up through 78 Marshall JCM 800s. Okay. And they are like superb and they're fantastic. And the reason that we went to, because we all had the big heavy JCM 800s and the Soldanos and the EVHs and that, yeah. you know what I mean? They're well, fantastic. you guys used that in, in Hudson Falls. You had the real deal for A's. Tube amps, you know, are awesome. They're the way to go. And there's some great vintage amps. There's some great new amps. Yep. Uh, but in the situation that we were, we were always doing fly dates, okay? And when you do fly dates all the time, and it's up to the promoter to rent your back lines, that's what most bands do. Yeah, if yeah. Fly date, one night you'll get a Marshall that's really good, and one night you might get one that's not so good. And we were finding the, uh, it to be inconsistent. And with, yeah. the, and with the Kempers, we could go dial in directly and know that every night we would have the exact same guitar sound that we wanted with us. And yeah. that's why we did it. Uh, I know there are audio files out there that uh, aren't into uh, fractals and Kempers and all that. And man, that's totally fine. I can tell you that I'm not an audiophile and my ear is not so discerning that if I have a really good Kemper profile yeah. versus the same vintage Marshall head, the real thing, I'm not too embarrassed to tell you that I probably will not be able to tell the difference because I feel like my Kemper sounds just as good as a lot of them and better than some people's Marshalls and people will think the other way. So yeah, it's, yep. a player's, it's a player's preference. What I noticed too with that stuff is because it's going through the PA system, mm -hmm. it's it sounds as good as the venue's PA system as well. 
Right. Sometimes. So sometimes it does. So yeah, what you, we do, so you what, what we do is um there's a direct out, XLR out, yeah. that goes to with your signal. Okay. So your front of house guy can just push up your sound and it's there. There's no EQ, there's nothing that's there. We okay. also uh we use real live cabinets with the Kempers. We like to have air moving. Oh, okay. There you so go. So he will also have a mic on the cabinet. So we're kind of covering it both ways. You, you have live sound on stage with us. I know a lot of people that use profile amps and stuff have ears and there's no sound on stage. All you hear is drums. Yeah. Yeah. We don't do that. We like to have actual live amps up there. Yeah. Cause it still adds that you're at, you're doing a live show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that you hear actually a lot of that sound on the stage come back into the room. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're pushing, you know, we each have uh, two four twelve Marshall cabinets as our rig. Okay. So those are still pretty big and heavy. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And again though, you know, when we're, yeah. when we're not traveling alone, that's written from a backline company. And you know, yeah. they bring there. so everybody tries to travel pretty lean these days. If you're doing fly dates, do you have to do uh, like a power amp with it to get the? Because I know like the Kempers and stuff. There's no wattage in them. There is now. There is now. Oh, there is now. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. there's different kind of Kempers. There's the toaster, right? Okay. And that I'm a has fractal like, guy, so I don't, I'm not really sure Kemper. Okay. And it's got a it's got a power amp in it, as opposed to. A rack mount, you'd have to get like a separate power ramp in your in your rack. But yep. Uh, yep. the Kemper Coaster style, which is that. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yep. There's that a power cool. ramp. So small too. Yeah, there's a power ramp in it. Wow, and that makes you sound even better. Oh yeah, man, it's it's we love them. And <laughs> you know, what? I have uh, I have a couple friends who are, are really big fractal guys. I know for sure Phil Collin is. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. This deal, and uh, I think Metallica uses Fractal. I know uh, Six AM did. I interviewed uh, the singer DJ? James. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 He's cool. Uh, yeah. Fractals are great, man. Uh, Neil Sean was a Fractal guy forever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, you know, I don't know. There's a. It's like a battle between Mac and PC. It is. Sort of thing. They're both equal if you think about it. What you, what you like to use is the user. And I totally, I totally will understand and support anybody that likes one more than the other because, you know, it's like, is AT&T better than Verizon? <laughs> Everybody's gonna, Damn close, you. folks. But, yeah, right? <laughs> but listen, well, they all argue about it. You and I will just have fun playing guitar on stage and let everybody else... Yeah, that's true. At a certain point, you're like, I just have to turn on this thing, know that this sound is, get my performance right, and practice, and make sure you have a good time. Absolutely. Yeah, because there's... Um, Amen. I was I was going to get into that a little bit, too, is sometimes between, like, when you're in, like, Hair of the Dog signing a record <laughs> label, you mm-hmm. know, deal, and then maybe being more of an indie artist level, sometimes... There's a lot of pressure, but that stuff can kind of get in the way. Even certain managers, like if you had a, a bad manager micromanaging everything, you can you can just feel nervous all the time. It affects your performance, I think. It does. It does. Uh, the whole, I mean, that's a whole other thing. The whole label thing. Uh, we were on Spitfire when I was in Hair of the Dog that you mentioned. And that label at the time was a hard rock label. It was Zach Wilde, Ted Nugent, Alice Cooper, DR, DO, Black Label Society, Motorhead, and that's enough. Awesome. 
all that kind of thing. Um, but even though we were in a, with a good stable of artists, it was similar to Wheelhouse. It was a small label, and it didn't afford all of the whatever you want to say perks that maybe a major label deal would have gotten you, like with Atlantic Records or something. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, but we were a deal from them, and you know, you work with what is offered to you and what you can make happen and that kind of stuff. But you were just talking about things going on. There were certain, you know, and they were great. You know, Paul Bebo and Rob Gill and all those guys were just so awesome at the label. I just talked to Gill a couple of days ago. He, he was a radio promo guy. Okay. Um, is that label still around? It's Eagle Rock Entertainment. Spitfire has been gone for a while. Okay. It, okay. They were under the Eagle Rock Entertainment umbrella, which is European and they're massive. Okay. I mean, they're just massive. They're doing, they're doing great. Um, but anyway, you know, so, you know, I've talked to some guys and, you know, you're just talking about labels and it affecting your performance. There's some days, you know, if you're with a, a label, you don't prefer or a management or something, it kind of feels like you wake up and just get kicked in the balls first thing every morning. And you're just <laughs> like, man, you know, <laughs> put, put in your place yeah. all the time. It can be, it can be hard. It can be, it can be a grind and you know, you're not supposed to work music. You're supposed to play music. And I always kind of try to remember that, but having yourself surrounded by the right group of people is so helpful to, like you said, that moment when you get on stage and you know that everything's going really well. Yeah. Or what I say is you have quote unquote, an asshole on your side. Mm -hmm. So you can talk to those other people. Cause yep. like for me, I'm like, I, I'm not that way. Like anyone that comes forward and they start talking, I kind of shut down a little bit. Cause I'm like, I'm easy going. And yep. so I'm like, I kind of need somebody to do that for me yep. to be that bad guy. You know that's <laughs> that's been commonly described as good cop, bad cop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yep. I get it. I get it. Uh, man, that's what really good managers are for sometimes because you can speak to them candidly about what's working and not working for you. And it's their job to go deal with whoever you're dealing with to make it work for you. What advice would you give, let's say, uh, indie artists of, of nowadays and stuff, you know, we're talking about the labels and the managers and yeah. any, any advice specifically that you, it comes to mind. Oh, uh, maybe to watch, more, watch out for like yeah, I, let, let's just let's just go ahead and assume if they're at that level, because the most important thing is you know being good at your your craft, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's assume since you're there that you're already good at that. You got to take care of. Okay, uh, do yourself do yourselves a favor and learn as much as you can about publishing. Okay, hang on to your own publishing as long as you can. Um, nothing, you know, nothing meets the value of a copyright. Yeah, there, that that's sometimes, true. Sometimes there's a song that may have been written 20 years ago and nothing's gone on with it. And then all the day one, a sudden it's, you know, Tim McGraw cuts it or it ends up in a Honda commercial or whatever, you know, and that's what I mean by nothing meets the value of a copyright. Just because it's not doing something for you right now doesn't mean that it can't do something for you great later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, knowing publishing and copyright is a really, really important thing. And that's the age old story that goes clear back to when this whole music business started of managers or people taking advantage of that because people just didn't know what they were giving up their rights to. 
Um, yeah, go back to Sunset Records. They didn't I mean, own nothing. You know, right. he's like, here's a car. Yeah, this yeah. Is all you, this is all you Pick got. Pick this Cadillac. Yeah. Not knowing. Yeah, I know. Also, Not knowing they had to make payments on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. oh, yeah, for pay insurance. Are there anything? Uh, also, is uh, I would say this whole industry is based on relationships big time. And, you know, try to genuinely make relationships the people that you want to align yourself with. And, you know, the selfish thing that the way to look at it is like, well, what can I, who can I meet that's going to help me? But also, I think it's important to find someone that's like mine so they see that you can actually help each other, which is going to make you want to work equally hard. Like, you're going to want to work really hard to help get that label deal. And they're really going to work hard to get you that deal because they think that you can deserve it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just be wary of people who are full of shit and people who aren't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have to have a good bullshit detector. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there's a lot of lip service. And I would say just be really careful who you align yourself with. And, you know, hopefully it's someone that has the best interest in each other. You know, it goes both ways. Yeah, because it's... uh I guess gung, I call them gung ho artists that just want to jump right into it. I've interviewed a few that said, no, my first deal, I just signed it without a lawyer and everything. I just, I wanted to do it. So I did it. And I'm like, I don't even I know if they own it. Yeah. I understand the excitement of that. And, uh, I don't think, I don't think anything bad about someone who's done that. I think more people have probably done that. Than didn't. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's like the kind word of advice is just, it is very important to take the time and really understand what you're getting yourself into when you sign with somebody. It's funny because I've always been that way of take more time. And, and a lot of times they're, they now they want an answer right, right then and there. Now, like nobody has any patience and stuff anymore. And I'm like, this is a contract, especially with a career. And you're like, You need a second to stop and think about it, or you need a second to contact other people and ask them questions about it. I have, uh, I've started that movie about, and it wasn't necessarily a label deal. Okay. But I heard somebody say something one time that I have used over and over when you're dealing with something that important and you know that they want what you have. Right. Yeah. And they're pressuring you. Like you said, a really good response is, do you want, a really fast no, a longer maybe, you know, which do you want? Because you have to know this second, it's no. And you know they want they want something that you have. Say, but do you want a really quick no or a longer maybe? Yeah. Let me think about it. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. It, is, it is it is fair. Yeah. yeah. So and usually there's a hidden agenda. If they want something like right then, they're like, absolutely. nope, nope. If you don't say yes, then it's usually not legit. Yeah, agreed. I, I agree a million percent. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. As much as we love it, it's the music business. It's shady. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always say, I guess the best word of advice that my friend gave me when I was 15 recording my first demo is Frank is 50% music, 50% business. And for some reason that has never gone away. And I try to tell people, so out there, whoever's listening, I yep. guess that's that's my best advice with with that, and yeah, you just got to be really careful. It is it is called music business, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, yeah, 
That's crazy. What kind of what kind of food and diet do you do between uh, touring and off touring here? So what I'm, I'm Italian, do- so so okay. okay. <laughs> Let me just start off by saying, if I could eat pizza and tacos every day, I would. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, I'm I'm good about it. I uh, I exercise regular and regularly, and I really do try to watch what I try to watch what I eat. I try not to do fast food. Yeah. Uh, most, I, I do the intermittent fasting thing two days a week. Okay. And that's been really good for me along with the exercise that I do every day. Uh, it's also, uh, and what's funny with the intermittent fasting is it really changed everything. It's the way that I kind of eat all day, every day now. Okay. Is that, was that like smaller? You're talking about not eating like half, like, well, what it is is uh, with the internet fasting. There's I got this this one that's a smoothie thing. Okay, okay. You want eight, ten, twelve, thirty, two, thirty, uh, five, and six. Okay, and that's for two days a week. It can be two days in a row. It can be two days apart. It can be whatever. So you have like six smoothies a day. Yeah, that day. Wow. And they're small. They're these oh. little. They're pre-made in yep. these bags, like the stuff that runners use. Yeah. Yep. And I use those. And then, uh, you know, you can still have your drinks and stuff and everything that day. But then I just got used to it. And I noticed as far as, you know, it's harder for me to do that on the road. I will tell you, eating on the road is hard. And I do try to eat better. But, you know, the late the late night after show pizza thing, every single <laughs> night, I don't do it anymore. Every once in a while. I think we had pizza backstage. I seen you grab a slice. <laughs> There's a big box of pizzas from the promoter. Yeah, they, it's it. funny because you don't want to say you want to say thank you, but at the same time you're like, I can't eat that. <laughs> not every not every night. And I, yeah. listen, every guy that I work with is going to watch this and go, dude, I've seen him eat fucking pizza after show, and I have. But it's yeah. just like eating the whole thing, and you know, yeah, it's just, H has something to do with it too. It's like as I got older, it's just I just eat, eat differently. Yeah, you know? yeah. I try to be I try to be healthy about it. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing that. I guess I, I'm trying to get used to now with like, you know, all the, you eat too much dairy, you have mucus and cause you're just, I know you're a guitar player you do, you know, some backup vocals and stuff, but mm-hmm. as a lead singer type thing, it's, I feel like it's so much more pressure. I was like, if I just played freaking guitar, I'd probably eat ice cream every day. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. That, cause I've been the lead singer. Oh. And you know, I, I I totally I totally get it. That's one of the things I still don't do though. Uh, I don't have big meals before a show. I can't. Yeah, I can't either. It's too heavy. You know. So afterward, afterwards, you're like, I love this feeling. Pizza. You can eat everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Until you can't. But yeah. it must be nice though, because sometimes they ask you like, "What what do you want?" And you could say, oh, "Well, give me like a chicken salad or something." Absolutely, we've been treated we've been treated great. Like you know, when there's always catering uh, and everything, uh, craft service that kind of stuff, we always know ahead of time. We always get options, menu yeah. options, and yep. you can pick. So, what I'll generally do is take that food and save it for after show. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, that's a little easier on us, but you know, it's all good. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'll have some pizza this week. <laughs> I know it was funny because I was like, you guys, I know you guys are going back on tour and uh David's going back to do drum tech for you guys yep. too. And yep. um yep. I'm like, uh that's cool. I go, so 
next time you guys come back to Hudson Falls, we'll have to do the same thing here. I'll have to stop by. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We'll You're always welcome to stop by. I anywhere. Like, we were hanging out for, uh, I, I don't know. I think you came in a little later, but I was there <laughs> at least, you know, three hours before. It was oh, right wow. after your sound check. I was just hanging out with everybody talking. Yeah, we typically sound check around three thirty, four o'clock every day. Okay. And then there's you know, and then there's the break from after show or after sound check to showtime. Uh typical showtime for us when it's us alone is nine o'clock. Usually. Okay. I, okay. I'd say you know, that's not hard and fast, but that's ninety percent of the time. And then for example, when we're out of support though, something like that, we're usually the seven thirty slot and we only do like a fifty minute set. As opposed to when we're alone, it's seventy-five to ninety. Yeah. Yep. A little longer. So for the for the general rule of thumb, we're generally off stage by ten thirty. That's so, usual, I would say by eleven, the latest sometimes if if it goes yeah. late, right? Yep. 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 It's pretty I easy. You did have a, a an opener with you. Do you have a different opener for every like part of your tour usually, or you know what? Or every night, I, I I gotta tell you honestly, I'm not a I'm not a part of it. Like they never talk to me about the openers. I know oh. who they, I know who they are when we get there. Oh, okay, and uh, there's some nights where it'll be the same band three four nights in a row. Oh, nice. Uh, you know that will travel and follow us. Uh, and then there's other nights when it's a different band every night, and sometimes there's no support at all. Oh, geez. Like, we the- thought we had an opener. We got to play longer tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better warm up. I did want to yeah. ask you warm ups because you're, yeah, I mean, we're all, we got a guitarist in the building. Sure. Uh, how did you start out? You mentioned you, you started at like 10 years old with lessons. Yeah. yeah Cause we were talking before we came on air. Yeah. I started at 10. Uh, and you know, I've told this story a bunch of times. It just didn't take. Okay. When I was that young, I wanted to do it. Man, I was a, I was a kid, you know. Go play in the, the streets. You know, <laughs> if I wasn't on my bike riding BMX, I was yeah. playing Legos or Planet of the Apes or Evil Knievel or watching Charlie's Angels or watching. I mean, that was me. There was just constant barrage of a million things I wanted to do at every second, and I did not at that time have the. Uh, the focus or dedication at all to. Yeah. I can understand that. And here's a deal too. Also, um, you know, just being an excited little kid that was pretty senseless about it. I wanted to play Ted Nugent and Aerosmith immediately. And you you can't, you just can't. And you know, I some pretty, my first teachers were pretty stuffy. And there were these books called the Mel Bay guitar method. (laughs) That Which, that's so, I I still use that. Do you really? <laughs> no, when I was a kid in the seventies, it was very stuffy. Oh, it still is. Even was I have it? one that says like Book of Rock. It is. It's not. It still has like all that stuff in yeah. there that you want to no, fall asleep. It wasn't. It, it just I wasn't there at the time. And then and then I still, when I was thirteen is when it really started to like pow. The minute I. Learn bar chord. Was once. there guitar tabs back then? I'm not sure when they guitar tabs didn't start until about '86. Would you say? Okay. Okay. 
Uh, right when, uh, like, do you remember, because Guitar Player and Guitar World were the magazines when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. Yep. The first magazine I remember with tablature was a guitar for the practicing musician. Okay. And, uh, and that was tab. And I was just like, wow, what a game changer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's what I remember. I would say between 83 and 85. And I'm guessing here is one tab kind of made its way to me. Can you still read music or did you always kind of pick it more up by ear and just listening to it a thousand times or. I can read very basic, basic, basic. Yeah. Uh, I learned everything by ear. Yeah. Everything. That's how I learned was just rewinding cassettes, rewinding cassettes. Rewind. I mean, that, that, that was it. Yep. Uh, yep. And then when t- picture, of course that helped, that helped a lot. It's, so. it's a complete game changer, but there's certain things that are missing from tabs too, which now I think they write them a That's little good. bit better. They do. Um, do you do you remember who? Uh, I don't know if you know this. You know who one of the original transcribers for Tab was for Guitar for Practicing Musician was Steve Vai. Oh well, he's he's a brain. <laughs> we talked about, talked about uh, it. Yep. I remember reading years later after our you know after I'd been using it that I wasn't aware that a lot of the stuff that I was probably trying to learn was transcribed by Steve. I wouldn't doubt it because I, I just finished my uh, my rock guitar certification at Berkeley. Oh, it tough. I mean, I played, I don't want to play that much ever again. <laughs> yeah. um, Steve Vai has his own course in there now and it's rated four plus. So you can only go up to four and it's four plus. And I'm like, I'm not taking that course. No kidding. I took improv instead, which was awesome. Oh, I bet. Did you see within the last year or year and a half, that video that Steve put out after he had shoulder surgery and he was playing guitar with one hand. I have not. No, no. just when we, when we get done here, go to YouTube or just Google Steve by one hand. I didn't know and that. Oh yeah. I'll have to, I would say with definitely less than two years, but he had either a shoulder surgery or a hand surgery or something. And his whole arm was in a sling and he was doing everything a whole entire song with one hand and it just made you want to break your guitar well it's weird though he's got specialized guitars that are cut he goes guitars are um what do they call it um uh, not obsolete i can't think of the word right now mm-hmm. defective let's say oh because oh, um, oh, oh. yeah you know what i mean he puts his own his neck is not a guitar neck he's got his own cuts in there and the wood shifts and all that kind of stuff like to me he's, it's the balance is hand the way he plays yeah there's also there's some uh God, the guy's name escapes me right now but there's a really good interview that's out there more than a couple times of eddie's tech and eddie's hands were so strong yeah that they had to give him a guitar that wasn't in tune but it, it it wasn't tuned conventionally. In convent, like you know what I mean? Yep, thicker like, strings too, probably. Well, like B, like for example, I'm just making stuff up. Like the high B and the high G string would be one would be too sharp, one would be too flat because when he grabbed, that's how the guitar would be in tune. It's just those guys were just so hot. Wow, that's cool. pretty strong, man. Look, look that up as well. Uh, you know what? When we, you have Jeremy's number two. We had done this text him saying, Hey man, who was Ed's tech that did that interview? He'll know what I'm talking about. He, he's like the encyclopedia of music. I couldn't believe yeah. it. He's like, no, yeah. it's, 
It was it was this place, man. I, I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's he awesome. Really, yeah. People like Ed and Lucather and you know Steve and everybody were just so other level, man. It's just it's insane how I don't how do you how do you uh circle a note? He talks about that. He goes, I don't I don't bend, I do circles. I'm like, <laughs> I still cannot figure that out. Like I said, man, he's a witch. Yeah. Steve. It's a warlock just, of music. A, a, a nice witch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to have your own chorus too in Berkeley, it's like, and, and it's rated four plus. And I was like, yeah, that's amazing. no way. That's like too much pressure on you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, he's, uh, oh. he's insanely good. He's, I, I love him. We, we had the same manager. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, there you go. Well, you can ask him about the uh, the Berkeley course then. Oh, how hard the, it is. <laughs> He'll probably say it's not bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, I didn't take it. So <laughs> we I mean, we went we went through Steve Vai, we went through Jimmy Page, um, Eric Clapton. I think Eric Clapton's really tough to play. He's got like a unique style that I'm just not yeah. used to hitting those the timing and the notes and the way he yeah. bends things. And I know, man. No, I know. It's just, it's insane. And someone else who was like that, uh, three months ago, I was front row center for Jeff Beck. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he was on tour, he was, it was a double bill with Beck and ZZ Top. Yeah. And I mean, I was, that's the, the third time I'd seen Beck. It was my favorite time I'd ever seen Beck. When we left, we were just like, and I'd never been that close to him playing. Yeah. It literally was front row center. And, uh, uh, man, just you know not knowing then what we know now uh man talk about being so glad that i went yeah yeah you know what a guy was it's just there's there's some you know staples top 10 guitarists of maybe all time and he's definitely up there oh for sure rainy roads and yeah yeah everybody oh oh yeah roads was great yeah i love all that stuff roads the uh I don't know. It's like between him and Zach Wild, if you put them together, that's kind of what I liked because the CD, we had burned CDs when I yep. when I was young and the guy burned Blizzard of Oz and whatever the record was uh, that Zach was on. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Well, but it was both of them. I listened to Randy first, had no idea that was a different guitar player and then all the other songs came yeah. together. You like, know so something that I really like because uh, Zach's first two records with Ozzy were no rest for the wicked that had miracle man and crazy babies and all that stuff. And then the next one was no more tears. Yeah. So those I two, love that one. Those two are back to back. I would have to venture that my favorite Zach record with Ozzy was, was no more tears. That's my personal favorite. Yeah. Um, but it's no secret. And it's been like widely reported, you know, interviews with Zach that he was a Randy Rhodes freak. Mm. Just, I mean, I mean, he was an absolute Randy freak. So that being said, you know, both of them being just Les Paul guys and everything, uh, something that's a lot of fun is to go revisit the Live and Loud record that Ozzy did. Yeah, yeah, I I, I did own that one. It was that all was the, uh... that was the No More Tears tour, which was advertised as his farewell tour. He was retiring. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. That was uh, the No More Tears tour, and they called it No More Tours. That oh, the the concert DVD and CD is called Live and Loud. 
And it's really cool to go on there and hear Zach perform all the Randy stuff. Yeah. It kind of sounds has that tone that he did too then. And then like you said, like no more tears, it kind of goes off from that. And it starts to really dial in on the sounds. The production work on that record, I think is a lot better than, uh, than the other one. Agreed. Sonically, they're just such different animals. I mean, yeah. I mean, just the records themselves. Yeah. Yeah. The way they were, the way they were recorded. Uh, it's funny with Ozzy's stuff. I don't know if you ever notice. I don't think any of the records of the drums were recorded the the best compared to other bands. I was like, his drums are very, I don't, I don't know. They're just not, it's all about guitars. Put it that way. It totally was. I know. No, I know. But man, those are some, some you know, just talk about somebody who just had that thing for plucking guitar players, like, you know, Rhodes, right? Yeah. Jake, man, go listen to that Bark at the Moon record. Oh, oh yeah. That was one Uh, of my favorite riffs, too. Fierce. (laughs) It is fierce, you know? And for him to go from having Rhodes Jake and then Zach, man. I mean, just what great guitar players he introduced all of us to, you know? Yeah. I wish, uh, wish Randy was around now. I would ask him if Crazy Train Riff was derived from John Carpenter's Halloween because it is the same exact starting no. melody. You know that I never know. Now I'm going to have to go check that out when we're done here. Yeah, the same th- those first notes when he's playing it, it's how you play Halloween too. And if you keep really? playing it, it's Halloween. We're talking about the movie, right? Yeah, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With the soundtrack. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it, uh, Ozzy yeah. with the horror stuff, maybe he said throw in something like that. I don't know, you know. Yeah. Change the uh, key. I can still remember the first time I heard that in junior high, just like, what is it just there was nothing like that. Yeah, no. At that when that came out. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's so cool. So many other things. <laughs> so we got Ryan Cook here on Polangi Studio of Rock. Wherever you're tuning in out there from, because we broadcast all over the place. It's a UK radio station, which a lot of times I forget because I'm in upstate New York. But we reach everybody. There's people in Australia and whatever. And then all the uh, social media stuff and Facebook stuff will be uploaded you know, gradually. So if you guys follow us on YouTube, I do it in steps because you first you hear the audio version of this and then okay. there's the YouTube version and people that me, you know, miss that. And then it starts the social media. Nowadays, you can't just throw everything out at once because Got everyone it. will see it all at once and it'll just go away. So I'm just like, you're going to remember this. Boom, boom, boom. That's great. Oh, that's great. See, I'm learning stuff here. Well, there's different audiences. You know, I know on my personal Facebook, there's different people than on Radio Wigwam's Facebook, you know? No, I get it. And and I understand how people are um, partial to certain, to, to viewing and listening to certain things. Some people like to watch stuff. Some people like to just listen to a podcast. Some people like, you know, so that's cool that you're covering all the platforms. It's great. Yeah, so I always tell, this is a video interview, but I'm going to take our audio, and it's, it's going to be on the radio, and then, you yeah. know, the rest. Which all the reruns, too, folks, you can listen to on Mixcloud, and uh, we play a lot of times reruns, too, a lot. It'll air four times during the week that this airs. And um, 
you know, you never know. When I don't feel like doing the show for a week, I usually replay an interview. <laughs> there you go. It's like television. Pretty much. So it's, it, it's cool. Uh, I know before we go, we're talking about a little bit of movies. Uh, yeah. You watched the Weird Al documentary. I watched that too. <laughs> it is it is the most unique version of somebody's story I've ever seen. But you know what's so funny? Uh, I saw the the ad for it, right? Yeah. And I just made a note. I'm going to have to check that out at some version at some yeah. point. It looks serious to me. I was like, oh, well, this is serious. I, I first saw the poster. I thought it was a true true to life documentary. I didn't know it was a mockumentary. Yeah. Which, but now that it is, it's like, well, duh. I mean, it, doesn't that make sense <laughs> that he would do that? You know, I mean, that, that's what his that's what his life is is making fun of stuff and and being really fun and entertaining. Yeah. And you know, but here's something that I will tell you, uh, and you may know this, you probably do, but people listening might not. There was a period a couple of years ago where Phil Jeremy and I were asked to play with Rick Derringer. Okay. okay. So we went and backed him up. We were his backup band. Yep. For a, a very short set. And during that day and afternoon, we got a lot of time to visit with him. We hung out on the bus and, you know, just talked and everything. He produced those first Weird Al records. Rick Derringer, who did Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. Who, okay. He, who I would never in a million years would have dreamed that that was a Rick Derringer project. No, I, I've never actually heard anybody talk about any of his producers or engineers. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird too, because Rick had told us when he first did it, as successful as they were and doing well, he kind of for a moment regretted it because he said he felt personally that everyone in the industry was looking him in a different light now as someone who just did, you know, joke parody things. And he felt like it took away from the seriousness of him being a know, producer. Or, or, yeah. 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 Because uh, you're, you're making records that are sounding, I mean, I, I know it's mocking, but it, it's supposed to sound like the real song still, even though yeah. it's a little different. And they were, and yeah. he felt like he was getting judged by the content of what he was working with rather than the merit of the work he was doing. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure some mailbox money and some checks that finally arrived made that okay to that pill. Okay. To swallow though. <laughs> yeah. It's like 30 years later, ironed itself out with the whole him and the Michael Jackson song. And like, people don't know that he actually, he's up weird. Al's up there with the Beatles with, his songs and the charts. Nobody knows this really. Nobody even mentions it. They're always like Michael Jackson and the Beatles. I'm like, Weird Al is actually like the top three artists, I think, to ever sell stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, but I no, believe it. But it was, uh, I was, I was, Bet you he owns his own publishing now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I was pleasantly surprised though, because it, it was so funny. And uh, for anybody who's going to watch it, there's a pool scene where every major iconic artist, except for Kiss, uh, actually was surprised me because they had someone who looked like Alice Cooper. Yep. Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman, Elton John. Uh, I'm forgetting again a lot of the major players that were... Uh, oh, that comedian with the raspy voice, Jack Black. Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. Wolfman Jack. Yep. You know, Jack Black as Wolfman Jack was really funny. Yeah. And, and then the fact that Madonna is his love interest. 
Really he's like the the evil kind of person too yeah. sort of yeah. that was great oh. it's really good man yeah check out definitely check out that movie i really liked it because it's something different because i had just watched the queen one and like the elvis one and i was expecting it to be a regular actor's movie yeah and i'm like wow this is so much different yeah and this then is- and the guy that, that played out Oh my god i he did was, not expect him you know harry like potter Potter, right yeah yeah jesus really, really good <laughs> he played a psycho too in a movie i was like that's kind of interesting did he really i haven't seen that one i gotta yeah. check it out i don't yeah. remember what it was i think it was one of those the time he's doing some indie stuff okay yeah okay yeah well cool i'll, I'll look for it but uh, so he uh, you were. I'll let you get back to re- uh, you know rehearsing with uh, you're going back on tour with Ace. What's yeah. uh, really quick some future plans for you, and uh, we'll see what's going on down the road. Yeah, we're leaving uh, day after tomorrow. Uh, we've been off since this. I think December fifteenth was our last show uh, at twenty two. Yeah, and then yep. we're off then until you know tomorrow. That was our break. We were gone through Christmas. We were off in all of January. Uh, we leave uh, Wednesday, February 1st. Our first show back is in Bristol, Tennessee. Uh, I heard that it was about 100 tickets shy of a sellout, which means it'll sell out. And then the three after that are already sold out. Wow. So our first show, first four shows back will be sellout shows, which is a really nice feeling. Then we're off for just a few days, four days. We come home. And then we all fly to the West Coast, Northern California, and we'll be touring California for over two weeks. Wow. So, we're, so we're gone pretty much the entire month of February. Cool. And, and just looking at our calendar, the way it goes for people who don't know, your agent starts filling in dates for the, the upcoming year, right? So every week you look, you're like, oh, we're going to be here and be here. Right now, I see we're already booked uh, sporadically up until July. Just for Ace? Yeah. So, so that'll fill in. Uh, we typically tour into December, you know. So, like now we're just in that point where we just wait to see how the calendar fills up, but knowing that it will fill up. So, yeah, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Keeps you busy. It does. I love it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and you and never we, know. You know. Yeah, we actually changed the set a little bit, added some new stuff that we've never done with Ace, some Fraley's Comet stuff, and that kind of thing. So when we were talking earlier about me rehearsing, I'm just kind of, you know, doing some last minute, you know, like I said, you got to do your homework. You, you yep. can't wait till sound check to learn the song. So brushing up. I'm, you got to brush up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm just brushing up and uh, getting ready for Wednesday. And I can't wait, man. I'm like really looking forward to it. All right, man. Well, anybody out there sees Ace Freely on tour, Ryan will be with them as well as our other guests from Derek and uh, Jeremy, and you might meet uh, David, the drum tech here yep. someday. Yep. And uh, he plays well, with Aaron Lewis too, which is which is yep. really cool. And, uh, Jeremy and I live in Nashville. Okay, and David lives in Nashville. He's he's closer to uh, an area called Clarksville. Okay, which I've, only, say- I've only been to Nashville. Okay, but. yeah. Jer- I'm I'm south of Nashville a little bit, and Jeremy's in the east part of Nashville, and David, like I said, is in Clarksville, which I would say is probably about 50, 50 minutes from here, something okay. like that. Okay. See everybody on Wednesday. We'll all be back together. This is our first time since December. Awesome. Well, I'll have to look out, see if you guys come back 
uh, either to Hudson Falls or somewhere else local. Yeah, and you know, you're you're always welcome. All right, I appreciate that. You guys are really cool to hang out with because uh, a lot of times they're like, you know, I ain't talking to anybody, and you know what I mean. Oh no, we <laughs> we, we love to hang. I'm I'm like an informational like sponge. You know, I yeah. love hearing stories. It's not just the radio stuff. I did radio in college, and and the guy that was on this program actually passed away, uh-huh. and and he's like, we need a rock DJ, and I was like, oh, I don't know, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the interviews are a little different, but um, you're, you're great at it. You know, it's awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I I don't want to do because I've did the ones where they they just ask those questions and you're like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. You know, I just want to have a chat with somebody. No, I love it, and it's you know it's comfortable and it's great. You're really good at it, and uh, I've been on the receiving end of some of those other ones you talked about, and it's not always fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, it's a lunchtime yet. <laughs> Do I do I have my my uh, six shake here going on? Yeah, yeah, I gotta get that six shake in. Yeah, I'm gonna have yeah. to. I do like shakes, so I'll have to look that up. We will. We can talk about that off air. I'll tell. I'll tell you where I got everything. All right. All right. We'll give that a plug. Ryan okay. Cook, everybody. Ace Freely. Make sure you check them out. Palangi Studio of Rock. Thanks, guys, very much for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Thanks, everybody. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the podcast version here of Palangi Studio of Rock, only on Radio Wigwam. Catch the live shows every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 UK. Chime in on our social medias and make sure you see any of these video repeat podcasts on YouTube and go to frankpalangi.com. Appreciate it. Hope you guys come back and I will see you soon.